0: Welcome back everyone to our little green pasture. God bless you. I'm a little under the weather today. So if I'm a little off, that's why. But praise the Lord. I would rather glory in my infirmities and my weakness. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong because then the power of God resteth upon me. And isn't that what we want anyway? So maybe being weak is always what we should be, and to say, Lord, I am so grateful that I am weak. Lord, let me always be under your mighty hand. Let me be that little weak vessel that you can use. Because truly, we want our Father in heaven to glorify his son in each one of our lives. That is such a honorable and privileged call, isn't it? So before I get started, I want to spend a couple of seconds to extend a true humble heart of thanksgiving for all the help that everybody has been giving to this little green pasture. I do not consider this to be my own. I am not my own. I belong to Christ just like you are, but I think it's proper and appropriate to extend a thanksgiving to everybody that prays for this little green pasture where the chief shepherd dwells because prayer is the power behind everything that we all do in his name no matter what it is it's not just having a ministry everybody has a ministry your life is a ministry like i always like to quote jackie pullinger when she uh, she was a missionary in hong kong for 30 years, and she said, when someone asked her, or she said, when anybody ever asks me, "Do you have a ministry?" she would reply, "I don't have a ministry. I have a life." Amen. Isn't that beautiful? You have a life, so everything you do, bathe it in prayer, give thanks unto the Lord, uh, declare His doings from day to day. Okay. And I want to thank everybody that does financially um, support this ministry. It's always a little difficult for me to bring that up because I do this with pure joy of my heart and humbleness, but your help really makes it possible for me to do this. And so thank you in the name of Jesus. And you know, everybody just thank you. I love you guys. Okay. So I'm going to get started today. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to, Talk about what has been really been magnified in my heart, probably most of, for years, maybe decades. And it's this few little words, three little words, look on us. In fact, that is what I'm going to title this message, look on us. And that would be in Acts chapter three. So before I start, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to thank God that I could have this privilege to share with you today. Father in heaven, I bow before you in the humbleness of heart. With a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, I come to you as your weak little vessel. And I ask that the power of God will rest upon me for when I am weak and praise the Lord, you are strong. Lord, quicken me, quicken your word, quicken the hearts and the ears of those that will be listening, and Lord, I ask you, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon this message. And Lord, let your life-giving flood of your living waters, Lord, let it become little tributaries into every heart and life that listens to this, Lord. And that, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would imprint upon the hearts and upon the minds of everybody the things he is bearing witness to everybody, even very personally. Lord, let your good hand rest upon me now. And Lord, let the live coal touch my mouth and make me holy, that I could be that holy vessel that I could offer this to you now, committing into your hands, this message in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, for some years in reading in the book of Acts, uh, it just as you know, it gets richer and richer, not just the book of Acts, the whole Bible. And it's supposed to, it's supposed to get deeper and deeper. Um, We're never supposed to settle for the surface of the water. We want to be partakers of that life-giving stream. And that stream flows from above down into our hearts. This is just paper and ink, but they're words that were penned by men who were inspired of the Holy Spirit. And I'm so grateful that God had men write them down. Isn't that beautiful that we could read? And I just love the King James Version. Authorized, I read nothing else. Of course, sometimes I'll look at a couple of other things, but I just love that authorized version, don't you? It's just so beautiful. So um I'm going to get started. And then I'll let you know. In some ways, I want to say this. Haven't you noticed that when you don't feel good, um, you're more open, like you're more like here I am, God, and something beautiful happens when we do get sick we stop trying so hard to control things and then he gets the privilege of talking to us ministering to us speaking to us so starting at chapter 3 now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour there was um, morning, noon, and evening, there's morning, noon, and evening, uh, morning and evening sacrifices, but there were three distinct hours of prayer. And the people that went into the, the temple during those three different hours, it was actually very personal for each person that went in. Um, because people that were devout, uh, in, of course, devout Jews, they were, uh, they were law obedient. And so that was, it was personal for them to go into those hours. You know, I know it says, David says seven times a day, will I praise thee? That aims at more of a more dedicated, more uh, focused uh, um, sacrifice of a life given over. That's what that means. So but going three times a day, maybe not everybody went three times a day, but um, the evening sacrifice started at three o'clock and so um when i think of peter and john going together i i like to think a little bit about them you know those two uh they were the first two that were called by jesus um those two were there at the mount of transfiguration Uh, Those two were there when Jesus was saying, cast your net on the right side and ye shall find. Um, We read so many places where Peter and John were together, even to the end when they were both trying to run as fast as they could to the tomb after they heard that Jesus was alive. And they went together into um, the uh, chief priest's palace where Jesus was on trial. And I believe John was there. And most likely saw, doesn't say so, but I would think that John either heard or he saw Peter's rejection of Christ. And later on, we see them together here. You know, they're in the upper room together. And now here they are together, going together. You just see this rich beginning. And I just wanna say that because I I do believe that there was rivalry between them. and because of different things that were said but i believe that through these years that god developed a true brotherhood a devoted brotherhood of love between them and christ was that cement that was whom they loved and while john leaned on his uh jesus's breast at supper last supper you know we know that peter at the end, was running to go see if he was alive and swimming to him, af- on the boat. Remember, G- John was there too, and so they have this this rich connection with Jesus Christ that they both loved. And there's no rivalry now, but they're walking together. There, it shows them they want to go pray. They love the Lord. Prayer is our connection, the the living God, not to idols made with hands, but to the true and only living God, Jesus Christ who was made, uh, who, you know, who was resurrected, who died and rose again and in the sight of 500 witnesses. So we see them going together, and I just see that as such a, something so beautiful and something so far deeper than, yeah, we've known each other for years. It's like, no, now it's on. This is a true mission that these two are on. And it says, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple you know this man was 40 years old and when you think about the fact that um, well let me just stop here Um, what is taught in in there during this time by the rabbis by the priests is that um, it was acceptable if a man could not work with his hands that um, he was allowed to beg, but one thing he was only, he was not allowed to take money from Gentiles. That's the law during that time. And that he was only to take it from, you know, the the Jewish people. Um, if he were to take it from Gentiles, there was other sub laws for that, but we don't see that attached to this man. Um, and when you think about the fact that he was lame from his mother's womb, and he's lived like that for forty years, um, he's never walked before he was born. um so an issue with him, we don't know what it was, but uh, uh, his family think about you know barring the Sabbath. Think about there being I know that there's a discrepancy, and you know we say at the Julian calendar is three hundred and sixty-five. Uh, uh, the Gregorian calendar is 365 days. I know the Jewish calendar is different. Um, but think of all those days minus every Sabbath. That man's family took him and laid him at the gate, beautiful, in order for him to ask of alms. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this gate because, you know, this gate has something I want to bring up about because I think it's important. Um, This gate, which was between the court of the Gentiles and that of Israel and is here called beautiful for the richness of the metal of which it was formed and its curious workmanship is termed by Josephus, the Corinthian gate. About 180 years before this, the city of Corinth had been taken and burned by the Romans. And in the burning of it, multitudes of statues and images of brass, gold, and silver being melted down and running together made that mixture of metals, which from that time was called Corinthian brass, and was valued by the ancients above gold or silver. This gate on the east side of the temple was made of that brass and exceeded the other gates as in its dimensions So especially in its workmanship and splendor, though most of them were covered over with silver or gold, it was 30 cubits high and 15 broad and was added by Herod the Great. According to what I was reading about Josephus in uh, book five, um, that it was more brilliant than actual gold. There was nine gates, but there was no gate like this particular one Um, Also, too, um, another historian said that it was referred to as the gate of Shushan and that there was a carving on it of the Shushan palace depicting Purim. And to never forget it, that of what happened with the Jews and their deliverance from Haman, you could read about that in the book of Esther, that every time they go through that gate, according to this particular historian, They would see that portrayal of that Persian palace to remember that they were delivered and it was a day of joy and gladness for them. So it was a constant memory of them as they're going through that gate that it would be to them um, a reminder of what God did for them. But this man was never allowed to go through that gate, he was laid at the gate, beautiful. And by the way, it was the gate that. Uh, you went into, it was the gate of the Gentiles. So you had a lot of Gentiles, of course, going through there. Um, Here we see Peter and John going through there. And it says, and who, it says, I'm going to go back to verse three now, or start at verse three. It says, um, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter fastening his eyes on him with John said, look on us. And let me tell you something for years, I always stop like my, I mean, my spirit just comes to a skidding halt because I see it like something in my spirit can feel it. I can, I can almost see it. I can feel it. I I feel like a surge of the Holy Spirit when I just picture, and it's not like I'm just like imagining and I'm envisioning, I, I it's in my spirit, man. That you know, here's Peter and John, they're not knowing what's going on, they're going to the hour of prayer. They, no doubt, I don't know, no doubt. I mean, um, this, this man's been there the whole time, I would think they've walked by him other times. Maybe they weren't really expecting anything but just to go and pray. And yet, here's this man saying, asking of alms, and the next thing, Peter's fastening his eyes on him. And I want to stop right there because right there is where I can feel the Holy Spirit moving and, 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 and in a sense saying, when you fastened, he fastened his eyes on him. You know, I looked at that word fasten, and it means um, uh, to grip onto, to nail down, to grab onto um, acute focus. Um, Even impose, it it has a very um, uh, strong connotation of bam, like I'm grabbing a hold of him. He fastened his eyes on him. You know, and I, I think that that was the moment that the Holy Spirit within Peter stopped him. And looked at him because it it doesn't say he just turned and looked at him. It says the man looked at him and asked for alms. But Peter looking on him. It says. It says Peter fastened his eyes on him. And then John says, look on us. The Holy Spirit in that moment was moving. And I'm going to go on. Um, So, and then it says in verse, it says, and he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. If you hear anything, that is the leaf blower. Timing is incredible, but it's okay. That's life, right? We have to keep flowing with the Spirit. So, you know, let me just go back a little bit. You know, this man was expecting to receive something. Obviously, this man is Jewish. He's knowing that everybody who's going in there is going in there to pray. He's, I would think that he's catching them at a time where their heart is softened. Um, They are more open to giving. So he knew right where to be placed. I'm sure that's probably where he made most of his money every day. And I love how uh, Peter, uh, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such have I give thee. You know, it's more than just saying um, silver and gold have I none. Um, I think that goes on to say that he's not attributing himself to anything material. He, what he's giving him has nothing to do with what money can buy. It has nothing to do with what this earth can give you. And here's this man laying before this beautiful temple, like every gate, all nine gates had gold on them. But this one particular gate that had the most brilliant, shining, like brass gold, this Corinthian gate, this gate of Shushan depicting the Persian palace Purim. And this man could never have joy and gladness. He can never go into that temple, but he can only ask for something that anybody can give to those who were able to walk in of their own accord and pray. But when he, Peter and John said, silver and gold, have we none? It's not just that they're like, well, you know, we're, we don't really have anything to give you. It's more like, let me tell you something. And if I, even if I did have silver and gold, it wouldn't help you. But I have something far greater than this temple. I have something far greater than silver or gold, because what I have I give to you. That's actually the true rendering. It says um it says uh when it says silver and gold have I not, but such as I have give I thee. The real wording is uh but what I have I give to thee. And so he's saying through the power of the Holy Spirit, he says his name in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, this name was an excoriation. People were ashamed of his name. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus. But instead he says it, I believe in boldness. I don't believe he yelled it out, but you can, I could just see it and I could just see it, the Holy Spirit in power because he's the witness of Jesus Christ. There is a great power flow that's coming out of them as vessels that were meet for their master's use. And they said, but what I we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And when it says, and he took him by the right hand, and I, and I read also to the historians were saying that there was a pause in between that, according to the older manuscripts that said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And there was a pause in between him saying where he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Something was happening in that brief pause i believe the power of the holy spirit was just penetrating into that man giving him faith to believe he he see that man i don't believe had faith not right that moment no way it said he expected to receive something but i don't believe he had faith and you're going to hear why in just a moment in this pause and this was from a very reputable scholar there was others that agreed with that pause in the original manuscripts that there was a pause. And I believe in that pause was that power, because I believe that power was the gift of faith because after that it says, and he took him by the right hand and that right hand, I just always think of that right hand. That is the sign of propitiation, the sign of acceptance, You know, it says that God standeth at the right hand of the poor. God is always at the right hand of us. Amen. It says he took him by the hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And it says, and he leaping up stood. You know, when I think of that leaping up, I think of just that power coming into that man's body. That man who never walked from his mother's womb, 40 years old. Can you imagine what those legs must have looked like shriveled no muscle complete atrophy and not even just atrophied never had muscle think of that next thing you know he's leaping up it's like so much power came into that body that he leaped up and stood i think when he stood he was getting his bearings right it says he stood he He was feeling his legs. He was standing up for the first time in his life. He was feeling the power of strong legs. He was standing, can you imagine what that felt like? Standing on legs he's never stood on before. And then it says, and then he walked. Can you just see him? He's like taking one step at a time. And now he's walking. And then again, and then and now he's entering with them into the temple now he's walking and he's still leaping and praising god that is not how people went into the temple it was they walked in i'm sure it was somewhat solemn when they walked in they were going into the house of god there was no walking leaping and praising god but that's what that man did and he walked through those gates and he was what walk- can you just imagine seeing that? Just stop for a moment and think about what that looked like walking, leaping and praising God. And I think, and it says here, let me just go a little bit further. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. Doesn't God make all things beautiful in this time? doesn't he? Wasn't that act an act of beauty? And it happened outside of the temple, right at the gate. And it says, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at which it happened unto him. And as the lame man, which was healed, held Peter, now he's holding him. Can you imagine he's holding Peter and John? Can you picture that man holding them? He's like, it's like, I think a song of Solomon about the woman. She wakes up. Her lover is gone. She goes out into the night. She's looking for him. She's beaten. She's searching for him. And as finally, she finds him whom my soul loveth. I took him and I held him and I would not let him go. Isn't that what happens when we are touched by God, when God heals us. I talked about being touched a few days ago. When you get that touch from God, You arise, you leap up, because power comes into your life, power of an endless life. You leap up, and then you stand, you regain your power, you regain your strength, and then you walk, you start to walk in the power of that endless life, and then you go into the prayer house of God, into within we are the temple of the holy spirit then you go in and people will see you and they'll say isn't this her isn't that him there's something different about them so let me keep going and as the lame man which was healed held peter and john all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called solomon's greatly wondering and when peter saw it he answered unto the people ye men of israel why marvel ye at this or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk notice he tells the man peter says to him um it it says peter fastening his eyes upon him with john said look on us right but now these people are looking at him at them and they're like no 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 because you see he's differentiating saying what was happening over there wasn't of us oh you saw us doing it some of you were there you stopped you were on your way in you were wondering what was happening maybe they came into the presence of the holy spirit they couldn't tell what was happening a lot of people come into the powerful presence of the holy spirit that are not saved they don't know what is happening but they're drawn to it they feel that power they don't understand it and i believe those people Um, the ones that were greatly wondering were those that were stopping and watching what was going in on and those people, probably other people coming, were going, what's going on here. Maybe they're like, this man just healed him and all this talk is quickly going around. And now all of a sudden they're running and he's saying, why do you look so earnestly on us? See, that's the thing. People should never look at us as that. We have any special power. The power God hath spoken once, twice have I heard it. That power belongeth unto God, and unto God belongeth mercy. See, we have that that inward power of the Holy Spirit, but it is at His behest, and when He wants it. Look, these two men, Peter and John, they were on their way into the temple. They were like, Hey, I wonder who we can go minister today, and now we're going to invoke the power of God. It's like, no it's the other way around we follow our master and we are tempered by the holy spirit and we don't we have to be ready in a moment at an instant notice they were going into prayer they had but in this moment outside of the temple because remember jesus said we are the temple of the holy spirit my house shall be called and we know this has to do with the millennial kingdom that's when he said my house shall be called in the you know uh the house of God but are we not the house of God yes we are the house of God and so he says as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk i mean that just lays the axe at the root of the trees because i don't have power to make anything happen and i'm so glad there is only one lawgiver only one god one lord one faith one baptism one lord overall and so this helps us to really get be very careful when, you know, there's so many people out there, they like to say, um, you know, in, in the worst, there's so many charlatans out there, I'm saying it because we see so many people out there who, who take that name of Jesus Christ and they wield it like they have power over God, to tell, like God has to follow them, no way if there is going to be a healing it's going to be because it will originate first by the holy spirit and there will be a notable miracle the holy spirit will do it okay because it has to do with the father and the son looking at what's going on down below and they're in us by virtue of the third person of the trinity godhead and he's in this world right he's in this world in us so Um, I love what this old saint said to me, he's home with the Lord now. And he said to me one day, um, he said, you know, Joni, um, he said. That one day he was, I don't know, I, I don't remember the exact story, but he was looking at something one day and he was an incredibly holy, godly man. I mean, he was from England, David Neal, Dr. David Neal. And, uh, he would never put anything wicked before his eyes. Like he was probably the only person I've really ever known of that caliber. And he was a quiet, private man. No one even knew, knew he existed. Um, but, uh, I mean, I did, of course, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't famous. Um, and he said to me, you know, Joni, one day the Holy spirit revealed to me. And as I was looking at something. He said the Holy spirit spoke to him and said. I see through your eyes. So when you see this, Peter fastening his eyes on him, the Holy Spirit through his eyes was fastening his eyes on this lame man. That's why at that point he said, look on us. And that's why this happened. And now he's telling these people, don't look at us. We don't have our own holiness our own power he goes on to say the god of abraham and of isaac and of jacob the god of our fathers has glorified his son jesus whom ye delivered up and denied in the presence of pilate when he was determined to let him go but ye denied the holy one and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and you killed the and killed the prince of life whom god hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name Hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him. Hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. I'm not going to read any further, because the point I want to make is to go back and say, see, it says in his name, through faith in his name. Hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him, hath given him. See, it was given him is perfect faith perfect soundness in the presence of you all you see whenever we think we got it going on and we're going to do anything from the Lord we need to humble ourselves and step back because I believe the taking of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for anything like it's a magical word we better all be careful with it We better make sure and be ready. But always be sensitive. And the only way to be sensitive in the Lord is spend time with him and his word. There's no other way. I'm just going to tell you: there's no other way to be sensitive unless you spend time with him. When he says, look on us, I want you to never forget those words. I want you to never, ever, ever forget those words. You know, I think of those words too. Where, Jesus, where it says in Isaiah 45, God says, look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. So when I see those words, look at me. Who are we looking at? You know, there, there's something about ministry where sometimes we're, a lot of times we're forcing things. But if you're just living your natural day, your regular day, and you've spent time with Christ, whether whatever time it is you're a readied person, you've readied yourself in God. One last thing about fastening his eyes because that's the one thing about fastening the eyes um you know we see here in Peter fastening his eyes on him. That was the first thing because I believe again, like I said, the Holy Spirit was fastening his eyes on him. You know, remember when Jesus went into the temple, says, and he went into the temple. As his custom was, and there was handed unto him the book of Isaiah the prophet. And when he found the place that was written, he stood up for to he stood up for to read. And when he found the place where it was written, this is what it says: He found, yeah, there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And so when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written: The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance of the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears and I say it to you those scriptures today this scripture today is fulfilled in your ears through this man and it will ever go on being fulfilled Jesus Christ will heal whom he will heal Jesus Christ will touch whom he will touch he will be merciful unto whom he will be merciful he will be compassionate unto those who show compassion you know, this is a water wheel. Live your life giving yourself away. Don't hold back. The more you give, that's how it works. Be a water wheel. Your life is meant to give. Silver and gold, you may have money. And that's fine, you know. It says in Ecclesiastes, money answereth much. But wisdom is profitable unto all. Gain more in the wisdom of God. Um, gain his wisdom in the word. And don't spend so much time listening to other voices. Get alone with God and make it a practice. Because if you're truly, truly been made alive in Jesus Christ, you will find a way to get alone privately with him and to commune with him. And you know, when you go out, you'll be full of joy. You'll be full of power. You'll have peace. You'll be walking in his life. And then maybe, have not you has that ever happened to you? All of a sudden, somebody just stands out, and you feel like God saying to you, "Go to that person." That's how it works. See, it didn't come from you. I mean, how many times have I like there was many times in my life, through many years, where all of a sudden I saw somebody, wherever I was, a woman, a man, whoever, and I felt in my heart, my heart starting to raise. That's how I know the Holy Spirit's moving and then i just go to them and i just follow the lead of the holy spirit and every single time that person received something more than silver and gold yeah that man expected something that lame man of 40 years expected to receive something but he didn't have faith faith was given to him in that moment as a gift from G- from god from jesus christ to believe on his name and in that moment of pause he Rose up, he leaped, he stood, he walked, he went with them into the temple, leaping and walking and holding on to them. He changed his life, and that's such a depiction of a truly touched life by God. So, you remember, oh, be open to the Lord, don't try to force the Holy Spirit on things. On people but walk like Peter and John they were just going to pray they were just walking together but God was in them always ready right the spirit is always willing but the flesh is weak are you willing today then you could do just what Peter and John did leave the answers up to God but be ready always be ready always and the only way to do that is to begin always in prayer. Give yourself unto the Lord always in prayer. And that way his mighty power will cause you to leap and walk in your life and stand for him. Okay? I think you guys got the message. Go with the Lord and be blessed. Speak about him day day by day. Declare his mighty acts. Be kind one to another, forgiving one another loving one another for that is his commandment and by this will all men know that you are his disciples